Welcome to the Go All In podcast. On today's show, our guest is Robert Janetsko. You might have heard the saying in business, what's the fastest way to a million dollars? And you might have also have heard the answer, well, it could be to lose 10 million. Our guest today, Rob, he's an incredible guy. And as you will hear, he suffered a huge loss in his business. In fact, it was so big that most people would never experience the scale of this loss in their entire lifetime. But Rob's a business warrior. His ability to pivot, focus, and realign are spectacular. And you are sure to learn something from his incredible story. Understanding your core beliefs is central to his success. So listen in closely as he drops value bomb after value bomb and shares his go all in story. I'm excited he's here. So please help me in welcoming Robert Janetsko. Hey, are you totally committed? Are you playing full out? Are you all in? Hi, my name is Robert Brass and this is the Go All In Podcast. Join me as we explore amazing stories of success, heartache and absolute triumph by those who have gone all in. I'm glad you're here, so let's get to it and do whatever it takes to go all in and create the life of your dreams. Well, good day, Robert. Welcome to the show, mate. It's great to have you here. Oh, I'm so pleased to be here on your show. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Well, I'd like to start off with all of my guests with a quick little get-to-know-you quiz. It helps us calm the nerves down a little bit. It warms us up and does that in a rapid-fire way, and maybe the audience will learn something about you, particularly your friends and family listening, that don't already know about this stuff. You ready? All right. Let's have it. All right, man. Just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. It's in no particular order. It's a little bit random, so let me know what you think. Do you prefer coaching or mentoring? Coaching. you prefer cardio or weights? Oh, cardio. Do you prefer to stand up and fight and kickbox or do you prefer to get on the ground and roll and grapple? Uh, stand up, stand up and you hit. That. <laughs> you prefer public speaking or writing? Writing. Writing. Do you prefer a paleo diet or a vegan diet? A hard one. Uh, vegan. Yeah. Vegan. yeah right. I haven't had that for a while, actually. Not many people are kind of saying vegan. Most people are saying paleo. Would you prefer to be in the office working away or out networking with new clients? Kind of a 50-50, but let's go with networking. Networking. All right. Not a trick question. It's just a rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say you're old school or new age? Uh, new age. Meditation or contemplation is the last question. Meditation. Meditation. Beautiful. Well, thank you for sharing that, mate. One more I forgot to ask and I wanted to know because you're a muso. Can you sing? Yeah. You can sing. What instruments do you play? You play a few instruments, right? Well, the piano or keyboards. I play, well, the basics of, you know, the bass, uh, the guitar. Very skillful. That's, that's about can it. Can you sing and play an instrument at the same time? Sure. All right. I can't wait to hear about the multitasking that you've got going on in your life because that's pretty <laughs> epic from the pre-interview questionnaire we got. Well, thank you again for sharing all that stuff with us. Will people come on over to this podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in? So if you could, mate, could you please share with us your biggest all-in story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Okay. Well, 
success or failure? <laughs> okay. Let's go with success first and then we'll full circle around the other way. All right. So one of the biggest all-in stories that I have is, is actually when I was in my very early 20s, in other words, when I knew nothing about anything, <laughs> I decided to go all in on a serious business venture. So what happened, I discovered a product that wasn't on the market here in Finland. I just found it to be a very, very good product. And it was related to my own health problems I had in my early childhood. So I decided to go all in not knowing how or when or what but long story short i after that decision made over a million euro in about two years wow were you in your early 20s or mid 20s early early so early on you had a venture into business and it was very successful yeah yeah i was one of the youngest porsche drivers in, in the country at the time. <laughs> so <laughs> that I enjoyed immensely at that time. Did the fast car and the pocket full of money last? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Before we go there, tell me about the product. What was the product? Well, the product was a room and air cleaning system that operated on a centrifugal water separation technology. Mm -hmm. So basically, it, it replaced uh, a vacuum cleaner also, cleaning the air very, very efficiently. So the product itself was, was superb, and it helped people with any kind of allergies or breathing problems. And did you suffer from that as a young bloke, as a kid? Oh, yeah. When I was born in my early childhood, I, I had trouble breathing. At that time, my parents... And me, of course, we lived in Berlin in Germany. And in the 80s, early 80s, they had in that city serious problems with the air quality, especially in wintertime. Mm -hmm. There were no, no modern cars, of course, like now. So I couldn't practically breathe properly. So I, I remember long periods of time when I, was, I had to be still laying down because if I moved, my lungs would practically come out so my, that my partner suffered from the same thing she's british and same thing when um back in the old days which is not really that long ago when you think about it they had all the coal fires in england and mm. the pollution was really bad and yep. she suffered from yep. asthma and exactly the same thing her parents brought the family to australia in hope of a better life and a cleaner environment which subsequently proved to be true. They went to New Zealand and lived in New Zealand for a little while to see if it was any better there. It wasn't really that much better, not much work opportunity mm -hmm. there and came back to Australia. And as a result, she kind of got better because of the cleaner environment and cleaner air, cleaner living and all that sort of stuff. Did your parents move you guys away from Berlin to, to Finland, to Helsinki because of that? Yeah, basically that, that was the reason right? why. And not, not even Helsinki, it was like 600 kilometers from here to the middle of nowhere, practically where my mm -hmm. mother was from originally, a, a really, really small town, which was interesting in itself because Berlin was and is a city of 6.5 million inhabitants, I think. Mm -hmm. And that town, I think there lived 
at the time 6,000 people. So really small. It was, was a cultural shock. Uh, <laughs> I bet. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so you grew up in a country town really is what you're saying. And you came across a, a product. Tell me about how did you come across the product and realize that there was an opportunity there? And tell me about scaling out a new business as not knowing anything as an early 20 year old, as you say. <laughs> Well, now it seems like an eternity. Uh, that's 20 years ago mm-hmm. when that happened. So what happened was my my mom's sister, she still remained in Berlin, actually. But every summer she came over to Finland, her country of origin as well. Mm-hmm. And every summer she brought really bad product with her and sold it to my mom. Okay. But this one time it was a really good product. <laughs> And I think I was 18 or 19 when I, when I saw the product. And then it took me approximately one year to actually persuade my parents to put their, at that time, life savings into starting that business. So originally it started as a family business. Mm-hmm. Did you always and, want um, to be in business when you left school or was that just something that kind of fell into your lap? I remember as a kid, I had these these ideas of having a business of multiple businesses um, was business savvy already as a child. So nobody really taught me anything. I, I somehow figured it out quite quickly. And how did you scale up so big so quickly? I just wanted it, man. I, you know, somehow there was this knowledge of a bigger world and then living in a very, very small town at that time. I just wanted, I went back into the big world. Mm-hmm. I somehow knew, <laughs> I knew that life could be different, but you needed money to do that. My parents weren't well off at all. In my childhood was quite, I wouldn't say poor, but very simple. And at that time in, in, in Finland, there was a really downtime. So I just wanted it. I wanted to prove that it's easy actually to make money but what, what, did, ended, what did you do were you distributing the product you were selling the product oh this was direct sales okay. right so this was hard hard awesome. work so bring the uh, product to customers on the countryside you know and at that time getting considerable amounts of money for one one product doesn't matter that it was very good it was hard in the beginning. So um, I had to develop everything from, um, you know, the sales process to the recruiting process, to the training process, to the scaling process. And I did everything from A to Z. I did it. So how I scaled was attracting a lot of people and motivating them to attract a lot of people. So in kind of no time I had 30, 40 people around me they were all super motivated because at that time there was nothing like it in the country no no opportunity like it and i went totally full in full scale so i did nothing else yeah fantastic and how far along were you in the timeline when you realized it was starting to pay dividends for you 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 said very quickly you had 30 40 people around you how far along were you when you realized it was going to pay off Almost immediately when, when I started to recruit people and it came 
I wouldn't say easy, but I wanted it so much that it just happened. So I attracted the right people at that time. And I think it was the second or third guy who was, um, you know, like an old G of sales. And he got, you know, enthusiastic about it. And that guy sold like 15 of the product in one month. And then I was like, holy crap, he made a lot of money. And I made a lot of money. So, I mean, in less than six months, I bought two cars, changed to a bigger and bigger apartment. So I can remember moving a lot because every year or so I had to change into a bigger office, into a bigger house, you know. Was it just stuff you were acquiring along the way in your 20s? I didn't have a really good role model you know, to know what the hell to do with the money. So I guess I put, I thought I was putting it back into the business by showing, not showing off, but to showing wealth, you know, like, yeah, we got this, we got this office, we got this car, we got this entertainment, you know, and very early on, regrettably, I I acquired a bad habit of, you're not going to guess what I'm going to say next. (laughs) <laughs> of paying everything for everybody. So that was, uh, it wasn't a good habit, you know? Yeah. But shouting them lunch, buying them this, buying them that. Yeah. 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 Okay. In, in one way that attracted people, but that actually attracted the wrong kind of people. Mm. And very early on, I, I had to really fend off low life people that actually tried to steal my business away. Right. So, as 21, 22 year old, you know, fighting with 45 year old, old geezers. That was an experience at that time. Mm, I'm sure. Tell me, did you, a couple of months in, a year into this thing, did you manage to pay your parents back? They, you know, they pretty much kept the money <laughs> when, when we started. For, and one problem was that <laughs> I don't want to, say anything bad about my parents i love them but i I wasn't really getting paid for the first 50 sales so we kind of split up at some point yeah yeah fair enough but they they backed you in the start didn't they but they got their investment back yeah definitely and they've always backed me up but in private life we had our differences and there was a period of time that actually didn't talk talk to each other much. Um, but it was also about me finding, you know, my strength and going my own way. So I think that today happens, we, that, that happens to all young men. I think, you know, in varying degrees, I, I think that's something that's not really spoken about much by, by men, particularly um, from Western countries. I don't know why it's just, you know, I, I left early on and joined the military and sure I rang my mum and dad to get aid to them and stuff like that. But I was out in the world doing my thing and you know, I never really had a difference with my parents like you're describing there, but I wasn't there. And you know, I think you don't have to have a difference with them. And, and I was just out living my life and living in the world and not realizing. And as a parent now, I realize, I recognize now that that must've been really hard on my mum and dad. They must've missed the bejesus out of me. been <laughs> difficult you know and i think later later in life yeah. you rekindle those relationships and pick them up again which is really important yeah it is it is so love you mom and dad 
Yeah, absolutely. Love your mum and dad as well, right? Make sure you <laughs> tell them that. Even if you do pick up as a 20-year-old and don't go back for two years and speak to them for six months at a time, you know, that just is what it is. Tell me, what did you learn about being successful in business as a, early on in your life there? Can you remember one or two lessons that stood out for you? Yeah, one that surprised me was the amount of, well, you could call it envy. So there were a lot of people in my own ranks that started envying me more than anything else. And that made for a lot of trouble. So I, I can remember many, many cases in, in the first couple of years where somebody tried to really take me down and, you know, steal the business even. Yes. But after that, I got, I got used to it. And then I don't even remember who, who did what. So that was a hard lesson. And maybe the second thing I learned early on about success was that it was all about the doing. So repeating, repeating something that you couldn't really rest on your laurels, particularly not in sales, not in recruiting. So it had to go on and on and on. So those two things. Nice one. Nice one. And so take me all the way down to the bottom, man. You took me up to the top there. Sounds exciting. Like you had a great business. It was successful. You were all in on it. You wanted it really badly. Take me down to the bottom and tell me what it felt like when it all came under. That's a good question, but actually the feeling came first and the self-sabotage followed and I have to say it was quite a big business. Uh, the uh, biggest year was, I think, 2008, I guess. The sales were like 3.2 million without the VAT. So that was a huge organization. But I can clearly remember the day when we sold. We made a record. And in one month, we sold for over 600,000. Okay. But I remember my feeling looking at the paper and going like, oh, fuck. Okay, what's next? I mean, <laughs> what? I was in serious trouble, like, innerly. And I realized much, much later in life, like the past couple of years, that I hadn't, hadn't taken care of who I really am. And a lot of things went wrong in the business. I made a lot of business mistakes but the biggest thing that was wrong was that i was very detached from my own center from my own being from my feelings or you could also call it your inner child it has many names but i was really i became this machine losing my humanity and losing you, purpose was that the reason that it came undone or was it just a series of bad, bad business decisions because of that? That's the reason it came undone. Of course, it's a circle of both. But if I would have felt the purpose why I'm doing this, I would have never gone under. And looking back, hindsight is always you know, a really good thing. I, like I look back at some of the things that I've done and experienced and think, oh man, if I only had done just that, I would still have that today. Do you look back at it fondly or do you look back at it and cringe? You know, it's, uh, I have no attachment to the story whatsoever, like none. But I, I can tell you, I went through several years of hell 
really beating the crap out of me because when I lost the business, I then realized, holy crap, it's not so easy to make 3.2 million in a year. Mm -hmm. Not at all. It's not even easy to make any kind of successful business, not in sales anyway. So I lived in this purgatory that I created for myself many, many years. But now it's, it doesn't even represent me in any way. It's, it's more of a story. It's kind of like a detour from who I really am. But still, I acquired all of those skills and serious business acumen. And kind of in a funny way, I can say what not to do in the business. <laughs> because, I, man, I did so many things that you shouldn't do. But still, the only thing that really took me down was not having a purpose. And now that you look back at it with those lessons in mind, did you realize that you were on a journey of self-discovery there? I mean, I know so many people that are in their 20s. I was in my 20s once. It was a little while ago. Not that long ago. But I, I remember I was in the military and my friends were at university. And I can remember when they started to come out the other side of university, they'd been there studying for years and years and doing their thing and living their lives and having a good time. But none of them really went into a job that was anything to do with what they were studying. And in some ways, I, I can remember thinking about that was a, a process of self-discovery. They had to go through that process to try and work out what it is that they wanted to do with their lives. And clearly, it was to finish what they started, which is, you know, kudos to them for doing that. But that's not really where they ended up nor was it where they wanted to end up. But by the same token, there's some people there as well that also ended up doing what they studied and doing very well out of it, you know, and, and well done to them. I think everybody in their 20s goes on a journey of self-discovery trying to find what it is. When you look back at it, did you realize that you were on that journey of self-discovery or were you just living your life and living through it? I mean, you get a bit more maturity as you get older and you can look back with hindsight, but did it feel like that at the time? Can you remember? At that time, I was very unconscious of what I was doing. But now looking back, actually, that time when I built this business up from nothing, really nothing at all, that was more of my conquering phase. So I was totally the textbook conqueror and then losing faith. So my explorer phase came actually after my kingdom went under <laughs> and, that, and that lasted actually until last year, sort of. Tell me, what did it feel like for you to use interesting vernacular in some of the, the questions that I asked you before this interview? And you said you had to pivot into a new venture because whatever you were working on, that was over now. Now you have to pivot. Tell me about your mindset when you're doing that. You've had all this success. Now you know you need to move on and do something else. What, what does it feel like to pivot into something new after something so successful and then it came undone and you know the reasons why? What was your mindset in and around that? The mindset was total surrender to the facts, like going outside of the story of me and just looking at it like maybe pretending like I would be the uh, coach and that version of me would come to this coach and ask for help. And then I could see it from another perspective. 
and just go like, okay, dude, you learned this and this and this. You got actually a lot of skill. You got this inner power. I mean, that's great. You know, these niche products and how about you try this and then just give it a go and go all in on that thing, not knowing what's going to happen, but it's anyway better than to stay dead. So I think that's the mindset. So you, in a way, you got to go schizophrenic. And that <laughs> helps. <laughs> but you should snap back into not being schizophrenic. That's, uh, that's you, you've said and written a couple of things. I've, I've seen it a few times. And you've talked about core values. For me, I've worked in business and you know, had various jobs over the years. And I never realized until I kind of started broadcasting and podcasting that what I was doing never really aligned to my true core values because everything that I'd done previously in my life, whether that had been successful or not, you know, what, however you measure success, you know, that's up to you. And in some ways I felt like I'd been really super successful in a lot of things. But what I'd also realized was I was never really aligned to the things that mattered to me and to the things that were really super important to me. And when I started to broadcast, I realized I was enjoying myself so much and I couldn't work out why I was enjoying myself so much. So I'm just having a conversation with someone like yourself. But what is it that I really like about that? And I think what it is, is it's, it's a deep human engagement and a human engagement that you don't really get in a busy, distracted world. You're not looking at your phone when we're talking. I'm not looking at mine. There's nowhere else to be. It's just you and me for the next 40 minutes. And when I realized that that kind of aligned with my core beliefs of values, integrity, doing the right thing, sharing and helping and serving others, it just started to become really, really easy for me. And I know that you've mentioned a couple of times about your core values and loving what you do and loving the new business that you're in. Can you talk to that a little bit as well and share your experience of that? Oh, definitely. So one of my enlightening moments in recent times was definitely to to really take that still a leap of faith saying to myself that, okay, I'm actually not going to do anything that's not absolutely in line with my core values that who I really, really am. Because if I do something that's not aligned with who I am, I'm actually doing a disservice, not just to me, but other people. And that's actually the ripple effect where you hurt others around you, where you let your mind go like, hmm, this makes the most sense because and you, you go like left-brained and mm -hmm. just stick to that and just, you know, push it in there. But that feeling that it generates it actually takes you down so many notches that you're probably not even going to be successful by a long shot. Your mind thinks it, but your mind can actually go only to the things it had, has experienced. So letting your mind decide is, is a bad idea because that's just memory up here. But if you take your whole being into account and live through your heart, which is actually scientifically 5,000 times more powerful in an electromagnetic field sense, then really, really interesting things start to happen. So that's how I came into the podcasting. 
and the same as you I was just talking to people I had so many light bulbs go on and then I came to the conclusion that actually the best way that I can serve people other people is going into coaching and since I made that decision and we started the rise high now coaching I mean every day is like I don't feel like work or working but I can tell you I'm achieving a lot I mean I'm I'm living in a totally different environment and I just know that I serve others in the best possible way now it's a really succinct and lovely way that you describe it and I I feel like people put limitations on themselves me included you know the the limited thinking that you have is just you know to use the tony robbins line is the story you keep telling yourself if you keep telling yourself you can't do that well you can't do it if you tell yourself you can you will and i think limitations exist because humans know that they have a certain potential and they look at something that looks a little bit hard and they go well that's really hard that's kind of a limitation and if somebody comes along, like a coach or somebody, they hear something that motivates them and that, that moves that limitation sideways a little bit, it's like, well, if you can think of achieving that, then you could probably do that. And it's got to do with your potential. And I think people don't really live up to their full potential because they're scared of their limitations. And I think a lot of that's also got to do with people not being aligned to their core beliefs. And when I look back at the things that I've failed on and the things that have been not successful for me in my life, I look at those things and, well, why wasn't that successful? And if I think really long and hard about it, it's because I really, really didn't enjoy what I was doing. I actually hated every second of that. I didn't like that. I wasn't aligned to that. And then there's limitations that are self-imposed because you're not enjoying yourself. You're like, oh man, I'm never going to hit that sales target or I'm never going to get that client. And really you don't care if you do or you don't because you're not enjoying it. And when you finally align to the things that work for you, and it's taken me a long time, it's taken me many years to align to the things that work for me, everything just comes easy. Everything yep. just flows, you enjoy it. And it's really, really good fun. Do you see that in coaching people? You must see that professionally coaching people, you know, business people and individuals and teams of people, you must see that a lot. Oh, definitely. And that's the thing that gives me the kick. I mean, I forget about everything else. And I mean, there's just that situation that gets created when you give your undivided attention to the client and you just feel it and you know it, I can help this person. I mean, so far, the best moments are those when the client, him or herself, they get it, you know, there's a breakthrough and it might be a small breakthrough, but I just live for those moments because helping that spark happening inside them and not just in the head, but here in the heart, I mean, there's nothing like it. It's incredibly satisfying, isn't it? And in some ways, it's probably, I've said it a couple of times on a few of these shows, and I think it's incredibly selfish. It's the most selfish thing you can do, but it's not selfish at the same time. It's the paradox because you're helping someone else to break through and somebody else gets it. And you're like, man, there's no better feeling in the world than that. All the money in the world is, is <laughs> awesome, but there's nothing that really compares to those types of things. Tell me about your 
goals for your business, man. You're not a small thinker, are you? You've got these huge goals, these lofty goals to affect a lot of people. If you could just for a minute tell me about those goals and tell the, the listeners and the audience about what you're planning to do. And I'm just interested to know your thinking behind that and why you're going for such big things. So Rise High Now Coaching, it's first of all, it's a global coaching company. We are situated in, in the States, but through modern technology, of course, we can reach people around the globe. And our aim is in the next 12 to 18 months, help around 1,000 people. We have a solid plan how to scale, but foremost, we have the curriculum that is written in such a way that we absolutely know that life is changing to those who take us up on the help that we offer. So that's just um, the goal we have. I mean, if it's 900 people or 1,100 people, it's not really that important, but that's, that's actually the marker. And of course, I'm, I myself am a podcaster as well. And there's definitely great synergy in both. I mean, it's actually the same thing. So my podcast, it's called Human Real, Decoding the Unreal. And we're doing exactly the same in the podcast and have amazing guests. And one of the goals is to have no less than 1 million listeners within one year, just through quality, quality, quality content and cooperations with great shows like you yourself have. One thing that's happening in the background is actually the writing of my first book, which is called uh, Stewards of the Mothership. So this is a, um, you could call it a science fiction style. What it really offers is a new kind of business model for a new kind of earth because we all need to actually think about the generations that are coming after us. I'm not against capitalism and I'm not for socialism. So I think these are old world terms. We need to forget about them. There's actually such a thing as a stewardship business model. And that's actually what the book is about. The stewardship business model, the companies you create are, they remind of foundations and the why of the company or the organization is structured in such a way that every person in that company is tied into the purpose and knows the purpose and goes to work for that purpose. And also the company belongs to those who work in that company at that time. The company can never be purchased from outside sources. It can never be divided and this is a model that actually works for hundreds and hundreds of years. But I'm not going to go into detail. That's just one of those things. We got such a curriculum that we call the ABC of Y. That's a 26-part course. And we are already thinking of a Netflix series version of, of that same content. So it's all about providing quality, quality, quality content, which is very high vibratory that works in different formats. And those would be the 
overall <laughs> goals for the next 12 to 18 months. They are absolutely epic, man. I love your thinking into the future and not just your kids or your grandkids, but generations into the future. Technology is changing our world so rapidly. You know, in a couple of years, there'll be humans on Mars. In a couple of more years, there'll be humans inhabiting the moon and on Mars. And I kind of shudder to think what the world would look like in 2030. It sounds like a long way away, but in the scheme of things, it's only 12 years away. It's not far at all. So if you kind of have a short-term view of business and what you're doing in business, you're going to get caught up in the change in technology and the change in the social aspects of humans and this world that we live in. So I think it's really, really important to have thought leaders like yourself and to get thought leaders like yourself in front of businesses today, because I think business gets bogged down in the day-to-day activity of cash flow and balance sheets and managing staff and all of those regular things that everybody gets caught up in their day-to-day activity. Those things will never go away in business, but unless you've got the ability to shift and pivot and move quickly and you have the agility within your organization to pick up on new industry trends, you'll be left behind. And that goes to everything from business models that you're describing to the traditional way of thinking and company ownership and the way employees work within an organization. So kudos to you, man. I can't wait to learn more about that. And when is that book coming out? I want to read that. I want to know more about that. Have you got another six months in you? Is it coming out sooner than that? I think around Christmas would be the right time to order it. So So that's end of 2018. Yeah. Nice one. Nice one. So who is your target audience for your podcast? And tell me the title of that again. Okay. The podcast is called Human Real Decoding the Unreal. The target audience is people who already have a certain level of, let's say, achievement. They are already influencers of their social circle. And they are people that really want to learn more about themselves. and their why and go deeper into that and who see that with a great power comes also great responsibility i know it's from spider-man but i love it it's true it's it's well said yeah it's very true absolutely well i'll make sure that the links to your show and your website are included in the show notes of course tell me rob you're a busy guy mate there's a lot going on with all those clients the businesses the writing and everything like that Tell me what your daily non-negotiables are. What do you do on a daily basis to keep yourself sharp and focused and bring in your A-game? Well, one is definitely exercise, like you asked in the beginning. Cardio is, that's very important anyway for me. One non-negotiable would be that I get to do my journal. It doesn't take a lot of time. In that journal, I daily list my achievements and it could be a little achievement oh today i got this idea but it's also a list of gratitude items so every day i list at least 10 things i'm i'm really grateful for and i really take the time to feel that gratitude so my most important goal for the day is every day to feel grateful when i wake up and the last thing on my mind is gratitude before I fall asleep. And then the third thing is that I really take undivided attention and time to my loved ones. There can be nothing else of a distraction when I'm with them. And 
that makes for a very, very good life. Sounds like a very balanced and sensible way to start to bookend your day, to start and finish your day with that gratitude and the time with your loved ones as well. I couldn't agree more with you. Well, mate, thank you so much for coming on the Go All In podcast. You've been an amazing guest, mate, and I love thought leaders and industry leaders like yourself. I can't wait to hear more about your book and your products and your services, and I'll make sure all the links to your relevant socials are included in the show notes. So thanks again for coming on the show, mate, and we look forward to speaking again with you soon. Bye for now, mate.